Welcome to Build Your Thing, the podcast where we help content creators find their unique creative voice, build their tribe of loyal fans, and monetize their work. I'm your host, Matt Giaro, and if you have been following me for a while, you know my stand against bad and boring content. And here is the problem. The internet is full of empty content, but you don't have to add to this noise of randomness. Instead, you could use inspiring stories to make the internet a better place for your audience. And this is exactly what we are going to talk about today. Andrew Ryder joins me on this episode. And Andrew is a content marketing strategist who teaches solo entrepreneurs the foundations of great content. He's also the author of the book, Entrepreneurship Ruined My Life. So with that being said, let's just jump right into this very meaningful conversation. All right, Andrew, welcome to the show. I'm excited to be here. It's awesome. It's awesome to have you here. Like I love having people on the show uh, because first, like I enjoy their content and you're one of the people that I really enjoy reading from. I think that you have a real skill when it comes to actually creating real content. We're going to talk about that, um, obviously, in this episode. So, um, But before digging deeper into that, could you please introduce yourself to the audience, like who you are and what you're actually doing? Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. You know, sometimes it's uh, it's always good to hear when when people enjoy your enjoy your writing. So I appreciate you saying that. Um, I got my start in entrepreneurship um, probably in a way that a lot of people get started. I have sort of a traditional background where I went went to school, worked hard, got a good job. Uh, sort of the traditional approach but something was missing. And when I think back, you know, it's, it's easy for me to see at this point that growing up as a kid, I just had this imagination and this creativity. I was always playing Legos and building spaceships. I was playing with Star Wars Lego sets and Bionicles and doing all of these things, building these worlds and fighting them and then breaking them and rebuilding new new Legos, new adventures, and all of these things. And there was so much imagination and creativity and, and fun in that type of experience. I did that for years and years and years. But as I went down this traditional path of, of doing what I thought I was supposed to do, all of that imagination and creativity was lost. And I think our childhood is a really good indicator of what we actually enjoy doing what we're good at, what we like, because there's not a whole bunch of other baggage when you're a kid. You don't have to make money. You don't care what other people think. You just do what you enjoy. And thinking back on that, reflecting back on that made me want to shift into a more creative direction, into a more imaginative direction. And in a lot of ways, that's what I do today is I tell stories. I, I, build worlds. I, you know, use creativity, use my imagination to try to distill out lessons in content creation or in business or in just life lessons that are coming out of movies or things that I've experienced that uh, can be useful, can be useful to readers, can be useful to um, people who want to grow their business, who want to create better content. And so that's that's kind of how I got my my start was by realizing that I wasn't really doing what I enjoyed, but rather what I thought it was expected of me. And so I went into the you know, went fully down the entrepreneurship rabbit hole and uh, made pretty much all the mistakes you could make on that journey, but uh, eventually landed on a system and an approach that uh, that you know, really works, works for me. And I love it. Wow, this this is very interesting. And, and if you don't mind, like, I would like to dig a little bit deeper into, you know, the, the mistakes that you've made, because as you know, like the world of online entrepreneurship or online marketing is like, 
we all know what it looks like, right? It's like those success stories and the before after pictures and you're going to get rich by next Thursday. So what are the things that you've experienced and actually learned the hard way? So I got my start in entrepreneurship by reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I just, that book blew my mind. I couldn't believe I hadn't heard of entrepreneurship before. It was it was the answer to all of my problems. It was going to be this perfect future that I was going to build. And I, I dove in head first. And I became what I would call a typical Facebook lead. I was downloading all the lead magnets from all these advertisements. I was getting on all the email lists and I was doing all these things that you're supposed to do in order to be successful online. There's sort of this, as you say, there's this model for, for success in online entrepreneurship. And there's a lot of, a lot of FOMO built into it. There's a lot of sensationalized advertising. There's a lot of selling the dream, selling this idealized future of making a whole bunch of money on autopilot and not really having to work, retiring to somewhere in Bali or Tahiti, somewhere nice and warm, right? And just making a whole bunch of money, relaxing, never doing anything. And I really tried to pursue that. I uh, I bought a lot of coaching programs. I bought a lot of programs that just flat out didn't work. They were just all all sizzle and no steak, so to speak. It was all advertising, all lies, all built on lies. Wasted a lot of money uh, on, on those types of things, and and eventually I just got to a point where it was clear to me that it wasn't working. I was completely miserable, and. And this is, you know, maybe at some point we'll talk about my book, but this is sort of the foundation uh, of, of my book, the source of the title, you know, it's called Entrepreneurship Ruined My Life. And it's the idea that I used to be this happy kid. I used to be a happy, optimistic person. I was low key. I was easygoing. I was fun to be around. And all of this work and all of this stress of trying to build a business, never being good enough, never having as much money or as much fame or as much success as someone else on social media. You know, there's someone who's always going to be more successful than you, who's got a larger audience or more cooler car or whatever it is. You're constantly comparing yourself to someone who's better than you. And that comparison just, it sapped all the joy out of my life. And one day I woke up. And I looked in the mirror and I could just see the stress on my face, see the anxiety. I was no longer an easygoing person. I was no longer really a happy person. I was, I was miserable. And the, the book talks about the strategies and the lessons that I, that I used to sort of build myself back into a person who I respected, uh, a person who I wanted to be. And a person who could could build the business that I wanted to build. And, and you know, I, I mentioned these programs that were scammy, that were lies, whatever. Part of that's partly the problem that there's a lot of lies out there. But part of the problem too is that the people buying these programs, myself included, especially myself at that point in time, the people buying these programs are not ready to do the work. They're just buying the dream. And and part of that is getting to the point where you are ready and you're capable capable of sitting down every day and doing the work and actually building the business because it's not it's not instant it's not easy it's uh certainly not overnight <laughs> yeah so this this makes a lot of sense and like there was like really this quote that I pulled out of your of your Google doc that's actually introducing your book and I'm going to put this into the show notes, but like, it's, it's really a, um, you know, um, it's really something that grabbed my attention. So you're saying, I'm quoting you right now, but my desire for success hardened into a constant anxiety of never doing enough and never being good enough in the online business game. I could see the stress and aging in the lines on my face. So this is really something that I can also relate to, um, especially, you know, like, as you mentioned, and, and as we just talked before me hitting the record button is like this constant, you know, I made 
that much of money in that short amount of time. And, you know, and then all these promises, okay, here, here, how you can do it too. So first of all, you, you don't even know if like those promises are, are real, right? And number two is like, it's always, you know, this kind of, refer, uh, this kind of dream that you're buying into when you hit the like button, where you come, when, when you comment or where you're just, you know, opt in for, uh, that lead magnet. So, I mean, it's, it's frustrating. And, and, and how did you act without actually obviously spoiling the book because everybody can, can grab it for, I don't know how much it is. I guess it, it's like 10 bucks or 20 bucks, not more than that on, on Amazon. So, um, without spoiling the book, like what are the, the, how did you actually like, what was your aha moment when you looked yourself, when you looked, let's say at yourself and then seeing, okay, like, no, I'm, that's actually not the life that I want to live. Or was it something else? And then my second question is like, what are the steps that you actually took in order just to, you know, get on the right path and, and finding some, something that works for you? Yeah. So the aha moment I had with the book, I had actually tried to write a version of this book twice before this. I had written a, a complete manuscript for an original version of this book. And uh, thank goodness I did not publish that as this book because it was, it was nothing compared to what I ended up with here. But the, um, it, it just was never quite right. And I had a lot of ideas in place that I wanted that I wanted to write about a lot of ideas that I thought were really important as I was going through this process, but it wasn't until I sort of casually, I think I was on a podcast interview and I was having a conversation with, uh, talking about my story, talking about my background. And it just sort of came to me, this idea that entrepreneurship ruined my life. And I remember after that interview, you know, I said that, and there's a clear, clear reaction from the person I was, I was conversing with, you know, they're like, wow, that's, that's a bold statement. That is something that you know, there's something to that. We have to dive deeper into that. And so afterwards I was, I was talking to my wife about it. I remember we were standing in the kitchen. I was just thinking there's really something to that line that that's the idea. That's the the missing piece that I needed. And so I, I, I tested it out on a couple of, you know, I wrote an email to my list and I talked about that idea and I got a ton of great response from that. And I started using it in other podcasts and there was always just a really strong reaction to that idea whenever I said it out loud. And that, you know, that obviously became the title of the book. And that was sort of the missing, the missing link that I needed. Once I had the title, I knew that I needed to sit down and I needed to write this book and I needed to just block off a couple months and get it done and do it right. And um, having the title really helped to, to move me in, in the right direction. Whereas in the previous attempts, I was kind of all over the place and the angle that I was taking was, um, it wasn't the right angle. You know, I'm, I'm a lot happier with the angle that I took in the actual book. And, um, it, it really centered around coming up with that title and, and realizing the power of, of that title. It's a strong title. Like it's, it's all about contrast, right? Like entrepreneurship is supposed to make your life better and you are now talking that it's like it, it it ruined your life. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and and there is a lot of contrast there, but at the same time, it's a hundred percent true. And I think a lot of people resonate with it because everyone believes that you're. Everyone starts out by believing this promise that entrepreneurship is going to change your life and it's going to be this amazing thing. But what you don't realize is all the hard work and sacrifice you have to go through. To, to have a chance of getting there. And I think a lot of people are, are, you know, like you said, he resonated with those words in the, the article that I wrote to give some background and some context 
to to the book. But it's um, yeah, I think it's something that we all struggle with in one way or another. And um, you know, uh, let me tell you, let me tell you a story from the book. And I think this will kind of get into your second question about how did I go through this process. But uh, there's this movie, The Greatest Showman. I don't know if you've if you've ever watched it, but it is my favorite business movie of all time. And it's it's about P.T. Barnum, who is this entrepreneur uh, back, I think, in 1800s or, or something like that. He starts this circus. And the original point of, of starting this circus was to, you know, he was, he, he bought this museum and he was going to start a wax museum and it's kind of boring. Nobody was interested, but his, his daughters gave him the idea for starting a circus and showing all of these interesting things. And, and he starts a circus and he collects all of these, he brings all these interesting people and has a lot of success by giving joy to his audience. The circus is all about providing joy to the people who are witnessing these spectacles. You know, there's really tall people, there's really large people, there's really small people, there's all of these different things, trapeze artists and all of these spectacles. And, and it becomes sort of the modern day circus, right? That's, that's where this comes from. But in the movie, he's at the onset, he's motivated to make a life for his family, to pull them out of poverty and to become someone, to become someone famous. You know, he's motivated by sort of the surface level uh, entrepreneurial motivations that, uh, that a lot of us have when we, we get into the game. But what ends up happening to him is he starts, he starts grasping for more and more and more because ultimately what he doesn't realize is that he's more, more so motivated to make more money than his wife's father because all his life his wife's wife's father was condescending towards him was really quite mean and he has this grudge against his father-in-law that he has to outperform and do better and of course this this guy is really rich and so Barnum is constantly struggling and striving for more so that he can finally stick it to his father-in-law and say I'm better than you and he he gets into riskier and riskier ventures he goes on this uh, countrywide tour with a singer, a European singer, and he's going to bring her to America and make her this worldwide superstar. They're going to sell out all these shows and make a ton of money. And they start doing that. They're, they're making a lot of money. And she's a great singer. And, and she sings this song. And, and you know, one of the things that I love about the movie is the story. But one of the other things that I love about the movie is just watching the actors and actresses perform these songs. They do such a great job. And the the poetry with the way the, the film is shot, there's just so many great things about it. But this song that she sings as, as P.T. Barnum is watching her sing and he's left his family behind, he's on the road with an attractive, successful woman. He's putting himself in sort of a precarious position and he's finds himself, you know, attracted to her, attracted to maybe her physically, maybe just the success that she can bring for him. And she's singing these, this song called Never Enough. And the words say, towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it'll never be enough. And that really speaks to me in just the sense of, most entrepreneurs are are striving for more. They're looking at these pictures on social media. They're they're lusting or or dreaming of these things that they could have, these dreams that they could fulfill. But when you approach it from that perspective of just trying to get more, of trying to be better than somebody else or to have the biggest social media audience or have the most money, there's never enough you will never have enough to get to that point where you're actually fulfilled, actually happy, actually appreciative of all of the good things that you do have. And of course, you know, Barnum goes on to 
nearly wreck his marriage. He loses everything. He loses all his money. That he loses the circus. And if it wasn't for uh, you know things going his way with his relationships and with some of his friends, he would have lost everything. But he's able to to recover his marriage. He's able to restart the circus with a business partner. And he's able to find that place of enough. And, and he is successful in, the, in that regard. And so that's, I think, one of the biggest lessons for me is that more will never be enough. There's constant examples of this in, in real life. You know, you look at somebody like a, a, a Tom Brady who is constantly pursuing more in the realms of football, but he's losing his relationship with his life, his wife. He's losing, um, you know, tens, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars in crypto ventures. And that's not really, you know, the point of saying that is not to say, you, that you shouldn't prioritize your career or that you shouldn't do certain things. By all means, you can prioritize your career. But I think where a lot of people get stuck is they prioritize their career, they prioritize their business over everything else, and then they wonder why they're miserable. And that's what I'm trying to highlight in the book is the reason why you're miserable is because you're never going to have enough. The way you've set yourself up for failure in the way that you've prioritized your life. So one of the biggest things for me in, in going through this process and getting to the point where I felt like I could write this book was changing my priorities and really putting my own personal health at the top of that priority list. Because if I'm not if I'm not at the top of my game, if I'm not focused, if I'm not optimistic, if I'm not confident in myself, I can't show up in my business and really deliver a quality product. So it makes sense that personal health comes before business. But it also makes sense that my relationship with, with my wife and my family comes before my business. Because if I have a big fight with my wife, if I'm you know going through issues, there's no way I can show up and be fully focused on a coaching call or be fully present in a conversation like we're having here. If I don't have those foundations set, there's no way I'm going to be able to be successful in my business. And there's not, you know, I'm not going to be happy either. So I, I completely restructured my life and put my, my personal health at the top. I put my relationships next and I put my business after that. And that is a, was a complete flip from what I was previously doing. And, and that's had a tremendous impact on everything in my life. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. And I think for everyone who just resonated with that, you know, just grab a copy of the book. We're going to leave the link in the in the in the description as always. And yeah, so let me shift gears a little bit um, when it comes to your you actually have an interesting an interesting framework when it comes to creating better content. And I think that this is where um, we also have a lot of things in common when it comes to, um, I really like the punchline that you that you have on your website, which is like the internet is full of empty content. And I certainly believe that too. So um, one of the things that that I'm actually using in order just to, to come up with, with better content, better ideas um, is a second brain so it's actually a note-taking system that empowers me to to find new relationships between between ideas things that are things that i've learned that i've discovered over the years and truth is you could come up with the best ideas um but if you don't know how to express them then like there is still like a something missing in in the equation so first of all like you have all those people who have not really better better content ideas or better ideas or better thoughts, but they just have like kind of a catchy way to say things um, and that then allows them to gather a bunch of followers, perhaps also sales, et cetera. But I think like, especially right now at the time we're recording this with the surge of AI generated content and all that kind of stuff, I think that, I don't think, 
I, I'm pretty sure that what will happen in the years to come is that we're going to see the rise of creators who get both sides of the game right, which means like the, the, the thinking part, the creative part, right? And the, the, let me just call it the kind of copywriting part, so the part where you're actually expressing those ideas. And this is what I really wanted to, to have you on the show because like, you have a very interesting fra- framework to actually express your ideas and express your, your thoughts, so, which is actually the real content framework. So um, can you explain us what this framework actually is? Sure. So it's called real content. And like you said, I I just kept seeing this, having this observation that there's so much content on the internet already. You can pretty much Google anything and find the answer. So how do I, as a, as a creator, as a business owner, how do I market my products and services in a way where I'm not just contributing to this information overwhelm that's causing people to, it's actually hurting people, right? If, if I'm just publishing these empty blog posts that are perfectly SEO optimized, or even more so lately, like you say, with, with the, the rise of chat GPT and, and the ability for basically anyone to write anything in any tone of voice, the, the increase in just content volume on the internet is going through the roof. It's impossible to keep up with everything. So how do you, how do you differentiate yourself in this environment? How do you create something that demonstrates what makes your products and services unique? How do you get people interested in, in reading your content and ultimately in buying your products and services? These were the questions that were rolling around in my mind that I was trying to answer. And, and, that's how I came up with this idea of real content. So it's real in a sense that the elements that make up real content are, are really focused on, they really demonstrate your uniqueness and your value that you bring as a human being, as a person. And they help to build a relationship between you as the creator and your readers because that, you know, that right there, the relationship is the most important thing in your business. I believe that that is, you know, I'm, I'm betting the farm on it, that the relationship is more important than anything else. And so everything that I do is coming through that lens. And so that's what the R stands for in real content, R-E-A-L. The, the intent is sort of at a both at a macro and a micro level, right? You want to be creating content that's real in the sense of the word, but you also want to create content that meets each of the four aspects of the word real. And so the first one is relationship-based. Everything that you do should come through the lens of how does this help build the relationship that I have with my audience? We've all seen people who are just constantly pumping these scammy offers to their email list. And they're just constantly sending new offer, new offer, new offer, buy this email marketing, buy this social media, buy this, whatever. It's all over the place. There's, there's no intent to build a relationship. It's just, let me sell you something until you finally get bored of being sold and you unsubscribe. And they just churn through people and they're constantly doing these launches and that's not really a good way to build a long-term business because if you ever if you ever run out of traffic, if you ever get cut off, if you ever get a lawsuit because you're lying on your sales pages and in your email copy or, or you're you're not following FTC guidelines, right? You know, all these things can happen and all of a sudden you don't have any income. Just going from launch to launch and burning bridges is not a viable long-term strategy. So the focus of everything that I do in my business is to build a relationship, strengthen a relationship between me and my readers. The second aspect of real content, the E, is entertaining. You you have to realize what you're competing against. You know, you're competing against 
Netflix, you're competing against YouTube shorts or, or TikTok videos. You know, I try to avoid all of that personally because I don't really, I can see how addictive it is to just scroll through those things, but ultimately I don't see any value in it. And so I cut myself off from, because I know, I know myself and I know I would get addicted pretty quickly to scrolling through those. But that's what you're competing against is you're competing against really short attention span, really hyper engaging, instant gratification type content, dopamine hits. If you want someone to read your book or if you want someone to read an email, you know, even reading an email that takes three minutes and they've got to do, you have to do work. They have to read the email and think about it. And that's why you want to add as much entertainment value as you can. And that doesn't mean you have to be telling jokes and being funny and larger than life and doing all this stuff. It means creating engagement in what you do. You know, you can teach entrepreneurship in an entertaining way. You can teach anything in an entertaining way. It's all about what's entertaining to your market, to your audience. And, and one of the best ways to do that is to tell interesting stories, tell stories about your life, tell stories about, you know, personally, I like to tell stories about movies. So like that, the, the greatest showman story. I love that story. That's one of the stories in my book. There's a whole bunch of other stories, you know, TV shows, movies. I just really resonate with those and really enjoy talking about them. So that's what I like to do, but they can come from anywhere. You know, I tell a lot of stories about funny stuff that my dog does because there ends up being, you know, we'll laugh at it when our pets do these things, but there ends up being a lot of truth in, in reflecting on why they do the things that they do. And, and I find that I do some of the same things myself. So, <laughs> so keeping it entertaining, um, is super important. The A in real content is authentic. And this is really where I think the advantage comes up with AI content. You know, there's going to be so many people who are creating huge volumes of content using AI. And this gives you an advantage in creating real content. I, I think the AI can probably create, they can almost create real content. It can create relationship first content. It can create entertaining content, but I'm not convinced that it can create authentic content, not in the way that, that I define it. And the authenticity piece is really about your uniqueness and what makes, what makes you different, what makes you worth listening to, what makes your what makes it worth building a relationship with you why should your audience care and you know obviously your business is all about serving your customers but it's really all about you at the same time because your audience is buying you they're buying your confidence they're buying your success they're buying the relationship with you and all of the things that that you can promise them, right? And that relationship is built on trust. So if if they trust you when you say, hey, here's something that really helped me get this result, and you offer to sell them something, ultimately, whether or not they trust you is going to determine whether they buy your product or they buy someone else's. So having that authenticity in your content, having that mission, why do you do what you do? more so than just, well, I want to make money and I want to retire and have an easy life. So I'm selling online business courses on how to get rich, right? That's not, that's not authentic. There's got to be a, a reason why you're doing what you're doing. There's got to be something bigger than just you trying to take money from, from other people and siphon it over to yourself. That's that's the key to authenticity is your mission and then your leadership. How do you, how do you demonstrate the, the value that people get from following you? How do you 
put them in a position where they can move forward under your protection and under your guidance and feel safe in advancing towards that mission without risk of falling for any of the the obstacles or, or, or losing in many of the ways that they've probably failed or lost or struggled in the past. So that's that's the authenticity piece. And I, I'm not convinced that that AI can really figure out your reason for being authentic and articulate it in a meaningful way. Not yet anyways. And and as more content comes on the internet, you're just going to find it's it's more empty content. It's more soulless content. So if you write from an authentic perspective, or if you augment what has been written by AI with your mission, with your leadership, with your passion and your energy for what you do, that's really going to amp up your response, amp up the relationship you build. And then finally, the L is for, it's, it, it stands for leave them wanting more, which is this idea that you don't want to give away 100% of the solution in your content. Because if you do, there's no reason for them to buy your programs or to opt into your email list or to do anything. There's, there's sort of this misconception in a lot of online business spaces where you move the free line all the way to you know, give away all your best content for free and it'll make people love you and it'll make them buy your stuff. And the first part is potentially true. It might make people love you, but it encourages them to just take your free information and then go implement it and get results. And all of the really, you know, hardworking and diligent and quite frankly, all of the good customers, all of the self-starters are just going to take your free information. They're going to implement it and they're going to get the results. They're never going to buy anything. So if, if you take the perspective that the best thing, the most value that you can deliver to a customer is by selling them your program. If you believe that, if you believe that your program has real value to offer, if you believe that by spending money with you, they're going to take it more seriously, they're going to value the information, they're going to take action, get results, and they're going to actually benefit from what you're teaching. You need to encourage them to ascend your value ladder. You need to encourage them to do the work, to buy the programs and to to get in and to move into your world, to move into the direction that you're going in. Because if you give away all the information for free, like I said, and self-starter takes it and maybe they do half of it right, but they're missing this nuance that you didn't really properly explain, or maybe they needed a little bit of help from you personally. And so they, they apply it incorrectly and it doesn't work. And then they say, oh, well, this system doesn't work. So I'm just going to go to somebody else's system that does work. There's a whole bunch of reasons why you don't want to give away all of your best information for free. And so leave them wanting more is, is sort of a copywriting angle. It's a, it's a curiosity angle. You want to have a reason for them to keep moving further along with you because ultimately that's the best way that you can help them. So that's, uh, that's the framework. And I use it as a, at a high level to ensure that every piece of content that I'm creating is checking these boxes. Am I going relationship first? Am I providing some kind of entertainment in this piece? Am I being authentic? And am I advancing this relationship towards making a purchase or making and it you know for the customer to make an investment in their future to take the next step on this journey towards solving their problems yeah that makes a lot of sense so i have a lot of things to uh that i want to go back to if, if, if you don't mind mm -hmm. so the first thing is that you know you have been mentioning the you know the social media and um you know the, the the issue with the with with the sh with short form content right so my question for you is because like i had another um uh, on on the on the show i had a another guest 
Um, well, we've been talking about that too. So it seems that I'm pretty good at picking up guests who are introverted as me and who don't like social media too. So we, we have been talking about, well, do you really think, because like he was like, you know, um, um, let's say uh, not really going bold, but like using kind of social media in his business. And like, my question was like, do you really think that attracting people who are on social media, I'm, I'm not saying they will not populate your list, but do you think that in terms of quality, those people actually have the attention span? Like, as you mentioned, going through an email every day, reading three minutes, like for them, three minutes, like it's, it, it's, a, it's a huge commitment. So what's your take on that? Did you exper experiment with that? And yeah. I don't think I have enough data to really say one way or another, but I can share my personal experience. I don't, I don't use social media platforms. I think social media platforms are, there's a clear upside, right? You can grow an audience for free. You can connect with other creators, other entrepreneurs. You can arrange joint ventures. You can get on podcast interviews. There's a whole bunch of great things that can happen to you, to your brand by being on social media. There's also a lot of bad things that can happen. And I, like I said, I don't have the data to prove this, but I agree, I agree with you that people who are spending a lot of time on social media are sh shortening their attention spans. They're constantly getting inundated with clickbait, instant gratification type content. It's, it's then difficult to to try to bring that person into a long-term situation to change their mind about, you know, you're kind of trying to sell, at least for me personally, I'd be trying to sell something to someone who's not interested in, in buying that. And that's, uh, that, that's not really a, a viable business strategy. So my, my approach is really to find people who, This, mess, this message resonates with. Find people who have already tried to do all of these short-term gimmicky type stuff and it hasn't worked for them, they're burnt out on it, and they're looking for a more serious long-term approach. That's, that's the person that I'm looking for. So I think it really depends on what kind of customer you're looking for. What kind of person do you want to work with? I, I have no doubt that there's a ton of people who get a lot of value out of being on social media. The other thing, like you say, is, you know, I'm, I'm introverted. I don't really use, I don't like using social media as a user. And I don't really want to spend any more time on there than I have to. So I, I, I just don't use it. Don't use it for my business. But uh, I have no doubt that there's plenty of people that will get a lot of value from it. So it really depends on who you want to attract. Who's your ideal customer? And where are they? Where are you going to find them? And how, how are you going to attract them? Uh, you know, my wife runs a, a nutritional therapy practice. And she works with a lot of women who have gut health issues. And she uses social media. And that's where most of her clients come from. And they're great. She gets people who do the work. They, they make the necessary sacrifices. They get great results. And that works well for her. It just depends on on what your business is and, and the types of clients you want to work with too. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So it's like we could, I think, talk about, you know, different strategies, but like all the strategies you can find online, like ultimately you have to test them because your situation is unique. Your like when it comes to your market, when it comes to your positioning, when it comes to what you have to offer, when it comes to what you're interested in. So you can't really take something. And I guess like the, I, I read this uh, back a few days ago in, in Breakthrough Advertising, right? Where Gene Schwartz says like, there is no, like for, formulas actually don't work, right? Because like you can just transpose and transplant, let's say something that's working for you and then just trying to transplant it to, to you know, to another business with, with, with a, you know, with, with other, 
other values, other parameters, like this doesn't work. So I really like your, uh, your I like your, your answer to, to, to this question. The, the other thing uh, that I wanted to go back to is um, you talked about, you know, uh, uh, authenticity, which means that having really kind of a deeper reason for, um, you know, around the content that, you, that you're creating. I wanted to go back to that when it comes to how to balance between the other, the authenticity side, which means that you're actually creating content about something that you care about, and on the other side, the the market fits. So having actually people who are interested and who are also willing to pay. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that there's a little bit of a balance that you need to strike. Ultimately, if ultimately I think that you can set yourself up into a position where both are true, but it's not necessarily, it may not be the first thing that you land on. It may require some iteration. So when, when you're starting a business, generally you're starting it based on some kind of problem that you've observed. A lot of, a lot of coaches, course creators, or, or info marketers are starting it based on a problem that they personally had and they solved, right? And they see other people having the same problem and they need help, right? They didn't, they couldn't figure it out. So to take my wife's business again, for example, she had a ton of gut health issues and it was really messing her up, no energy, just feeling sick all the time. She did some research. She tried a whole bunch of different things and figured out a system that worked for her, went on to get some additional uh, education and, and started her business to help other women who have that same problem that she had, who haven't figured it out and haven't invested the money in higher education to learn some of those things, right? And she packages it up in a way that she can teach the science in an engaging way. And she can also provide all of the, the meals and, and uh, lifestyle advice to help her clients get the, get those results. The, the, pr the problem and the, um, you know, the market fit, it's coming originally from, from the market fit. And it's coming from, this is a problem that probably 80% of women across the board deal with this. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of men deal with this too. Like so many people deal with this. They just don't realize that they have the problem. Um, so that's, you know, there's part of that too. You know, she's mostly marketing to people who already realize that they have this problem, but there's a ton of people who have this problem that she can help. So there's, uh, from that perspective, you know, there's a fit to the market and with the, with the content and, and you know, there was a lot of iteration on this early on because she started out kind of trying to help, you know, it was more of a fitness slash weight loss type of offer. And then she refined it into a gut health offer and adding different pieces. And, and so over the course of the last six years, her business has gone from just helping people solve this problem in sort of a, a, a generic way to helping people solve a more, a much more specific problem, but also in a way that she enjoys doing it. And she enjoys the aspects of what she does. She enjoys the calls. She enjoys the work that she does. So uh, I, I hope that answers your question, but I think starting from, to summarize, to start from a problem that you know people have and they're willing to pay to find a solution for, and then iterating on that, iterating on that offer and to get it into a place where you enjoy what you're doing and you're creating content that, that you're proud of. Yeah. So it's really, as you mentioned, you start with the problem and then you just start refining the way that makes the most sense for you to solve it correct yeah yeah i i'd say that's that's true i mean like you said with the breakthrough advertising there's no formula for this 
right? You've got to figure out what works for you. And ultimately you, you want to be doing something that you enjoy doing because otherwise it's just going to be miserable. And if you're not happy with what you're doing, if, if you don't like the box that you've painted yourself into, that's going to show in the content you create. It's going to show you're just not going to have that energy. You're not going to have that passion that really helps build that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So the other thing that I wanted to go back to is that you mentioned the fact of, I think we we could dedicate a whole um, episode just on, you know, giving value, giving value and, and, and all that kind of stuff that, that that's going on when it comes to creating content. And I think that, we both have been at the same uh, school of thought, I, I guess. I don't know if, if we can say that, but when it comes to Ben Settle and when it comes to giving value, giving value. And by the way, like uh, there is like a, I'm going to put the link to to the interview um, with Ben Settle in the show notes too. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so like when it comes to the, the L in real content, so leave them wanting more. So what is your approach when it comes to, kind of giving value, establishing yourself as an authority, but not really giving away the the solution so that people are still coming to, uh, are still going to, you know, to, to pull their, their, their wallets to, to buy your offer. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, um, learned, sort of learned this approach from, from Ben Settle and, and really just from him raising the question, what is value? And when you take a step back and think about it, it's like, well, is is watching a movie on Netflix value? Is, I mean, you can take 10 different people and give them the same movie. Half the people will hate it. A third of them will think it was okay. And, you know, maybe two of them will love it, like the greatest movie ever. And all of those people could be, ideal customers for your business. So there's a huge spectrum of, of what value is. There's research that shows that people value things that they pay for more than things they get for free. Same information, same exact uh, process. You could give away a free PDF that teaches your system, or you could charge $10, right? The person who buys it is going to value that information more. It's literally worth $10 more. You know, maybe that's not a whole lot, but I see these, you know, every once in a while you're driving down the road and you'll see a a couch or a TV or something sitting on the side of the road and it'll have a a free sign up by it, right? I don't know if you ever see this, but see it every once in a while. And on that sign, you know, it, it says free and no one, no one will go take that TV because it's obviously broken. There, you know, nobody gives away a TV for free. We're skeptical of that. But if you put, you know, $100 on the sign, that TV will get stolen the first night. It'll be gone because all of a sudden it's valuable. All of a sudden it's worth $100. There's a fine line between free and worthless. And there's certainly value in in giving away some things for for free and in advancing that relationship and in helping your helping your audience to make an educated decision or to understand what is required of them to to advance their uh uh you know to solve their problems right but i think that ultimately and and like i said ultimately the best way that i can help people is if they buy my programs just in the way that they're structured and in the 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 fulfillment the delivery um methods that I use in some of my programs the there's a lot of thought that goes into that because it's it's the best way that I can help them get the result and you know I do give away a lot of a lot of information for free especially on you know, come on, come on shows. I'll tell you the real content framework. You can take that, you can use it, you can apply it and uh, you can benefit from that. You know, that's sort of a a tangible thing. That's a valuable thing. In my opinion, it's valuable. It's valuable to me anyways. And uh, there's certainly, there certainly is benefit to doing that. 
but I've just found that the best way to get results and to help your customers to get results is if they're paying for it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And like, just to give you a little bit of a of, of a background, so what I've implemented in my business is like a an in-house tracking system where I can track back almost any sale. And when I say almost, is because there are always kind of technical limitations. So let's say, um, you know, it may not work for one hundred percent, but it works up to 90%, which is still better than not having any tracking system in place. And I've been tracking like um, all the content that I've put out there. And obviously every content that I put out there um, goes back to my website in order to, to build my email list. And I tracked my traffic sources. I tracked also like the different... So not, not only like when I say traffic sources, it's it's really like it's precise up to which content bought in this or that specific customer. And the interesting thing is like what most people out there um, really define as being value, which means like, you know, those tutorials or those step-by-step guides and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, most of them didn't bring in any, any revenue, but on the flip side, rev, um, Content that emphasizes more on the emotional side of the problem, right? Let's say I'm just digging deeper into, okay, how do you feel having this specific problem? And then this happens and this happens and this happens and here are the results and this is what, and then, and, 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 you know, like really extrapolating on that, those are the kind of articles that actually really brought in the most revenue. So um, I think that what's, like one of the biggest mistakes a lot, a lot of creators make on their journey is, is I really love like how you put it when it comes to there is like a very a very thin line between what's valuable and and and, and what's not. So I would definitely you know rec- recommend to anybody who's listening to this to to this to this episode to really think about okay, um, is the value you're putting out there, um. Uh, really the right kind of of content or not so is it is it really like kind of content who is going to as you mentioned with your real content framework is it really something that leaves them uh wanting more or is it just like you know a cool piece of content that perhaps generate a lot of views and ranks well and you know all those other metrics that really don't move the needle Yeah, that's really important. What you said too, is that it's not going to, it seems like the templates and the swipe files and the, the, you know, traditionally quote unquote valuable content is what people want because those things get a lot of engagement. But like you said, and, and, you know, very well said, what's driving revenue is more emotional, uh, problem oriented, problem-oriented content. But when you're, if you're not looking at it that closely, you're just going to see, oh, I got, you know, more views or more likes or more whatever on this clickbait article or whatever, right? And so some, if you're not careful with what feedback you're responding to, it's going to drive you in the, the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. So pay attention to to what you're actually doing. <laughs> if this is an advisor, we, we can, uh, you know, we, we, we can give to the audience to really pay attention, pay attention and, and look the kind of, you know, if you're not attracting the kind of people that you want on your list and ultimately clients, then you just have to look out at the things that you're putting out there. It's me, it means that they are just, you're not just, you're, excuse me, you're not attracting uh, the right kind of people. Yeah, exactly. Andrew, it was a pleasure having you on the show. And before wrapping things up, um, is there anything that you want to add? Yeah, yeah. You know, thanks so much for having me. I had a great time. Uh, no, I, not not anything to add on on this front. Um, I'll just say, you know, if if uh, folks are interested in getting a copy of my book, 
uh, like you said, it'll be be in the show show notes, but uh, you can find it at arider.me slash ERML, which stands for Entrepreneurship Ruined My Life. And uh, you can you can also go visit my website and uh, I've got more information on the real content framework there for free. And uh, my website is andrewbrider.com. All right. So I hope that you've enjoyed this episode today. If it's the case, then you're also probably going to enjoy my daily emails. I'm going to leave a link in the description. Thank you very much for tuning in today. And I hope to see you next week with another amazing episode. Stay tuned.